us into worship, we appreciate your help. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Mark 9? Mark chapter 9. Amen. I don't usually say this before our sermons, um, but I'm just going to say it today. Uh, if we could just not have people moving around just for this sermon. If you need to go to the toilet, hold on 35 minutes and um, you'll, get, you'll get through. But I just have no distractions today. If I can get your full attention, uh, I believe God's going to help us. Amen. Before we start, raise your hand if you believe that every word that Jesus said is true. Just raise your hand up nice and high. So look around the ones that don't have their hands up. They don't believe in Jesus. But you can soon. It's okay. It's fine. Amen. Thank you for that. So most people. The, um, as many of you know, there's these bushfires going on in Australia at the moment. And um, I've got to show you a picture here of, shows you this, the destruction that's actually happening. Um, it just shows how big the fires burn. 2009, I was actually in Melbourne uh, when the Black Saturday fires were. And I think it was like, it was something ridiculous, like 48 degrees or something. Um, and I remember that day, it was, it was ridiculous. And, um, and that fire, that was very, very bad. They call it Black Saturday. Um, and that 450,000 hectares. Uh, ones that were in California a couple of years ago were 800. Uh, the Amazon, nearly 900. Uh, Siberian fires last year, 2.7 million, which is a, a major jump. But then these latest bushfires have burnt over 10 million hectares. So it just goes to show how serious these fires are at the moment. They're burning very, very hard and very, very um, fast. Um, some of you would remember uh, from last year, uh, sorry, last Sunday. Remember last Sunday during the afternoon that the skies got a bit weird, right? It was a bit yellow, it was a bit orange. Um, because the smoke from Australia had travelled all the way over to New Zealand. If it's dark in New Zealand, thousands of kilometres away, can you imagine what it's like over there in the bushfires? It'd be horrible. All of us need to pray for them. Um, but I can't imagine how bad it is. And article after article, if you've read, it says, leave now while you can. Um, a season of hell, worst fires in living memory. Um, there's, even, there's even one picture. You could put that photo down. Um, there's even one... Um, picture there you may have seen on the news and how they in the flame it looks like there's a demon in the flame you might have seen that they've, they've taken a photo and it looks like there's a demon in the flame they're like oh it's the devil burning and all that stuff and and i don't think there's a there's a devil in that flame but there's a devil in another flame there's another flame that's full of demons and there's a worse fire than these bushfires the fire that we're talking about is hellfire the death rate uh, per day is 151,600. Uh, six, or just over 6,000 people die per hour, and 105 people die per minute. So that's nearly two per second. And so, um, Tom, if you can play that. Um, by the time we eat today, at least 12,000 people would have passed into eternity. Let me turn up a little bit louder. And so, this, every beat here, Is somebody dying? That's how fast people turn into eternity. And I wonder how many of them are going to heaven and how many are going to hell? Because the problem is we only think about heaven and hell when we're old, right? I'll deal with that when I'm older. Well, what makes somebody old? If you're 20 here this morning and you're going to die at 23, you're old. 
If you're 50 and you're going to die at 90, you're not old. So you could be 16 and be old. Or you could be 60 and not old. We don't know when we will die, but the issue is we will die. Hebrews 9.27 is appointed for men to die once, and after this, the judgment. And thinking about death really clarifies your life. You learn how to live by thinking about how you're going to die. And the problem is people don't know how to live because they don't know how to die. But once you know what's going to happen when you die, the way to live is very, very easy. And so for the Christian, do you know every day for the Christian is a good day? It's a good day every day. You say, Pastor, why is it a good day? Because every day for the Christian, you're one day closer to heaven. One day closer to seeing Jesus. One more day closer to getting into your mansion in heaven. One day closer to getting the best food ever. To see Jesus face to face. So if you haven't had a bad day today, it's okay. Because you're one day closer to Jesus. But for the sinner, every day is a bad day. Why is every day a bad day? Because for the sinner, they're one day closer to hell. And as I preach this, I want you to remember two things. Number one, I'm for you and not against you. It's very hard to preach on topics like this. But the reason, number two, the reason I'm preaching this sermon is simply because I don't want you to go to hell. If you went to a doctor and you had cancer, and the doctor said, it's all good, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, it'll sort itself out. You'd be like, that's a horrible doctor. And so, I'm not going to be a horrible pastor and tell you that your sin is fine. We can deal with it, and there is hope, and there's an answer, and it's found in Jesus. And so, we're doing a series at the moment called Wisdom in a World of Chaos. And this is number two, and the title of today's sermon is The Reality of Hell. And this will help us, this will get us through. I, um... I usually don't battle before sermons, like I study and stuff, but I don't usually get attacked so much. But this sermon, I've been attacked a lot. Like last night, I didn't sleep till 5.30. And like right now, I'm feeling super sick because of this sermon. And so the devil doesn't want me to preach it. And so there's people here that need to hear this sermon. I pray that you make the right choice while you still have time. Mark 9, 43 to 48. These are the words of Jesus. But whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me to stumble, it will be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell. Into the fire that shall never be quenched, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet and be cast into hell in the fire that shall never be quenched, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes and be cast into hellfire where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. These are the words of our Lord and Savior, meek and mild, Jesus Christ. Let's pray before we start. God, we we need you. God, I need every word to come from your throne. God, give us a revelation of hell. Give us a conviction of hell. God, we're so grateful for the cross of Calvary that we don't have to go to this horrible place. 
God, let every person that does not know you this morning reach out to you. God, I pray that you will comfort those who are afflicted and afflict those that are comfortable. God, I pray, give me the strength to preach every word that you've put on my heart. We need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We give you praise and honor, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody says, amen. First, we want to look at a real place. And the devil's strategy is to make people lose their conviction of hell. And he does this through many ways. Number one, the first reason people don't um, believe in hell is because they, they think it's, it's just hell isn't real. And there's many false religions that say that hell's not real. Um, usually every false religion does two things. Number one, they degrade Jesus. They don't say he's the son of God. And secondly, they always degrade hell. The Seventh-day Adventists don't believe in hell. I've got a quote here. God is love. You or I will not torture our children forever, no matter how disobedient they had been. Uh, are we more loving than God? Seven reasons why hell won't burn eternally from their book. Well, no, we're not more loving for God, and we're not wiser than God either. So they, they believe you just stop existing. Mormons don't believe in hell. They believe it's only for the devil and his demons. Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in hell. They don't believe Satan went to hell but was sent to earth in 1914. So. Catholics believe in purgatory. Purgatory is here is a place or, and state in which the soul suffers for a time after death and are cleansed from their sins before entering heaven. Here, excusable sins, which have never in this life been remitted by an act of repentance or love or by good deeds. Listen, your good deeds can't get you to heaven. Are removed. It is by faith that the souls in purgatory can be helped by the prayers and sacrifices of the faithful on church, on earth, and especially in the mass. They say, if you die in sin, it's okay, we'll pray for you, then one day you'll get to heaven. And that's not biblical. That's not true. And that's sending many people to hell. So firstly, he does it by pretending that hell's not real. The second way the devil gets us to lose our conviction of hell is to make hell a joke, right? People tell each other, go to hell. What the hell? We had a hell of a time. What the hell were you thinking? I'm going through hell. Why do we say that? Because all of us know there's a hell. It comes out of our mouth. We know this place is true because God put it inside of us. But it's lost its power, right? If, if you went to someone and said, I wish you were dead. Like, that's one of the worst things you can say to someone, right? But if you say to someone, I'll go to hell. It's a joke. So it's a joke. It's not offensive. So they turn hell into a joke. The, sec the third reason why hell has lost its conviction is that most people just don't believe they're going to hell. If you go on the street, are you going to heaven or hell? doesn't matter how bad they are. They'll say, I'm going to heaven. I'm a good person. You just killed that poor guy. You just ran over him, then reversed over him again, and then hit him again. I'm a good person. Isn't every funeral? He was such a good man. Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God. So we don't think about hell. We don't worry about hell. It's not for me. Why believe in it? Many people don't believe in hell. But I've got this quote here. It says, not believing in hell doesn't lower the temperature. It doesn't change anything. So it doesn't matter what you believe. What matters is reality. And many of us like to push it out of our minds. But it doesn't change the temperature. And the, th the fourth thing is people think hell isn't forever. I'll just go to hell for a little bit and then I'll stop or uh, like purgatory. Or many Christians believe you just cease to exist. And that's not true either. I've told you about a dream I've had. And I, it was 
it was this horrible nightmare that lasted like half a second. And have you ever, have you ever heard somebody scream in agony before? Like there's screams, and then there's screams like someone's really in pain. You know the screams I'm talking about? This was like the worst scream I've ever had, ever heard. It's like, it's like someone's scream, but like there's absolutely no hope left ever. And I heard that scream in my dream and I woke up and I'm like, oh God. And hell is full of those screams. That there's no hope left. Hope of despair. So let's look at a couple of things. Number one, is hell a real place? Is hell a real place? And if we don't understand hell, we're not going to understand Jesus. So in our text, Jesus makes some pretty serious statements. Verse 43, if your hand causes you to, to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed rather than having two hands that go to hell that, into the fire that is never quenched, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. This word hell in the Greek is, means the Valley of Hinnom. Now this Valley of Hinnom is like a big burning dump. This is where they'll take all their garbage and they'll take all the criminals and all the dead animals and they'll burn it. This is a valley outside of Jerusalem. So when Jesus said this, this place, everyone knew about it. Everyone knew exactly what he was talking about, the Valley of Hinnom. And he says, if your hand calls you to sin, cut it off. It's better than you go here, and then you, you, you cut, have a handless life, than to burn it forever in this valley of Hinnom. It says that the valley, uh, in our text, it says the fire is never quenched. It mentions it six times. Now, if Jesus said it once, that's enough. But he said it six times. Six times. It never stops burning. And actually, this valley of Hinnom, it actually never stopped burning. It burned 24-7. It was constantly burning and never stopped. Also, this Valley of Hinnom is a demonic place. In the Old Testament, this is where they will go and they will sacrifice children to false gods. So it's a place that burns. It's a place that burns forever. And it's a demon-possessed place. Jesus is saying, cut off your hand. Pluck out your eye. Cut off your foot. Instead of going to this place. So it's clear, there is a hell, it's a real place. Someone said, Jesus talks more about hell than he talks about heaven, and describes it more vividly. There is no denying that Jesus knew, believed, and warned against that absolute reality of hell. Most of our doctrine, I, don't, I can't give you a percentage, but I'd say probably at least two-thirds to three-quarters of the doctrine of hell comes from Jesus' mouth. Matthew 10, 28, Do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That's Jesus. Jesus spoke to the religious people. Matthew 23, 33. Serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? These are those people that come to church but don't care. They come but hey, whatevs. And this is what Jesus says to them. How can you escape this place? So what's hell like? So number one, hell is real. Jesus spoke about it many times. So what's hell like? Hell is an eternal, horrible place, man. It says in our text that the fire shall never be quenched. That's a big statement. It doesn't say the fire will hurt for a while. Never be quenched. N never. N ever, ever. That means there's no hope after this. One chance, one life, one judgment, one hope is Jesus. And if there's not Jesus, we're in trouble. Someone said there's a, there's a sign at the entrance of hell that says, leave all hope behind. Because it's a hopeless place. It's eternal. Not only is it eternal, 
It's eternal fire, Matthew 25, 41. And then he will say to those on his left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So there's this torment that's constant. It's eternal, it's an eternal fire. Number three, it's an eternal suffering. Verse 44, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Jesus mentions the worm, sorry, their worm will not die. Now, does Jesus believe that there's worms in, in hell? Probably not, right? So, what he's talking about, he's talking about the Valley of Hinnom. In the Valley of Hinnom, for the dead uh, carcasses of the animals and the criminals, what would happen is that their bodies will be infected with all these worms and maggots, and it's horrible. And he says, that, that eating away, he goes, that never stops in hell. So that doesn't mean that you're actually going to have literal worms in hell, but something's going to eat at you, and most people believe, most scholars believe, what eats at you is times like this, where people sat in church and laughed. Where people sat in church and played games on their phone pretending that they were taking notes. What eats at them is the memory of every altar call that they denied Christ. And that's going to be the guilt. You, you, you think you've got mind battles today? Imagine going to a God forsaken place forever. Oh Lord, help deliver us. Revelation 14, 11, the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. No rest day or night. And it's finally, it's out of darkness and punishment. 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 and 9. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, they shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of His power. This is a real place and that we must have this revelation of. So let's look secondly. First, it's a real place. Let's second, look secondly at real people. Real people. So who goes to hell? Well, sin is what sends people to hell. God doesn't send anybody to hell. God is willing that none should perish, but all should come to repentance, right? That's the plan of God. It was a place of torment for the devil and his demons for their rebellion against God. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. In the Greek, this word death it's got a, it means thanatos, which is like, it's the idea of future misery in hell. Is the way, that's, that's the consequences of sin. The penalty of sin is, is this. Church, have we forgotten that the road to heaven is narrow? It's hard. And the road to hell is easy, Jesus says. It's broad. And many find it. Matthew 7, 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Matthew 24, 12, and because of lawlessness or sin will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And today people are so cold to the gospel, right? And this is the number one excuse I hear from people. Pastor, I don't want to give my whole heart to God because I don't want to be fake. I don't want to be fake, so I don't want to go all in. Which is the biggest lie I've ever heard in my life. That means, Pastor, I know better, and when I'm ready to put down my sin, then I'll think about it. That means I'm too prideful to humble myself before God and put God's ways above my ways. I don't have time yet. I'm going to do it my way. That's what that means. So don't give me, I just don't, I just don't want to be fake like you're really spiritual. You don't tell your wife, I don't want to be fake, so I'm going to go sleep with other women. Tell you what a real man does. Real man does things when they don't want to do it. A real man says, yeah, that's appealing and I feel like doing that, but I'm dedicated. 
And a real Christian says, yes, yeah, sin is pleasurable, but I'm dedicated. I'm all in on this. And we must humble ourselves before the hand of Almighty God. James says your life is like a vapor. vapor. It's here for a moment and gone. Listen to me, please. Listen to me. We only have one chance at this. This is not a three strikes in your out rule. This is a one strike in your out rule. Hebrews 9.27 is appointed once for a man to die. But after this, the judgment. There are a million roads to hell, but there's no roads out. Jesus says we must repent from this place. The word repentance, one of the definitions is after madness. Repentance means after madness. You have to be mad not to repent and decide to go to hell instead of going to heaven. That's madness. Like, is, what else could we call it madness? That is the ultimate definition of madness. Saying, I know heaven's available, but nah. That's madness. Because sin messes with our mind. And this is why I preach on sin, to get your life in order. It's like I said, hell's forever. Sin sends people to hell. doesn't matter how good you are. Good works don't get us into heaven. It's only the blood of Jesus. So now our text will make a little bit more sense. Have you ever read verse 42 and not really understood? He says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it will be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was thrown into the sea. So why is Jesus so angry at people that help others sin? Because he says, you're sending people to this place. And you're helping them. You better be careful what you get involved in. You better be careful who you influence. You better be, check your exampleship. You better be careful of these things, guys. We must guard our heart from this. So... Who goes to hell then? If sin sends people to hell, who goes there? And the answer is, like this point, real people. People like you and me. Not imaginary people. Not some random person in the jungle of Africa somewhere. People like you and me. We obviously understood sinners go to hell. Backsliders go to hell. Psalm 69, verse 28, let their names be erased from the book of life. Religious people go to hell. Matthew 7, 21 to 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. imagine that thinking you've got this relationship with God Lord, I call you Lord why do you call me Lord? because you practice lawlessness, you practice sin sinners go to hell, backsliders go to hell religious people go to hell so Jesus is making it very clear in our text whatever influences you to sin get rid of it get rid of it He says, the eyes, what we desire, our feet, where we go, and our hands, what we do. This is a song we need to teach in Sunday school. This is probably the most convicting Sunday school song we should ever teach. We should probably just teach it to the adults too. It says, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. 
For the Father up above is looking down with, in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Wouldn't that be nice to teach our Sunday school kids? And it's really, it's got like a really nice tune. Like the second, oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little hands, what you do. It's not like that. It's like, be careful, little hands, what you do. Because God is watching you. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Because the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little feet, where you go. Sunday school teachers, get cracking. Proverbs 4, 14 and 15. Don't do as the wicked do and don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving. So if your foot causes you to sin, if you go into some place you shouldn't, cut it off, makes it easier. So some of you think, so what did Jesus mean? Does he actually mean, does Jesus actually want me to cut my foot off? Maybe. It's better to be limping around going to heaven than dancing around going to hell. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not going to say Jesus didn't mean that when he said that. Some of you are like, okay, so how am I going to do this? I'll get to (laughs) go to the hospital. No, it's all right, so relax. What he probably meant is be radical. Cut your foot off. You can't cut your foot off, but you can cut those friends off. Mark 8, 36-37. What would a prophet man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? What would man give in exchange for his soul? The NLT says, is anything worth more than your soul? And we say that, and most of us say, nah, there's nothing worth more than our soul. Nothing worth more than our soul. Yet people still hold on to things that lead them to hell. Do you know people will go to hell for Woodstock? Bourbon and cola. There's people in hell because they can't stop drinking this. They say, I'll go to hell and exchange my life for that. It's the truth. Is that what the Bible says? Tell me if I'm wrong. Does the Bible say that no drunkard will enter the kingdom of heaven? Pastor, I just can't stop. It stinks. Then you stink when you drink it. So people go to hell because of this. They were asked people would trade eternity for. What would a man give in exchange for his soul? Firstly, alcohol. Secondly, people will go to hell for this. For their phone. What you do? I was on my phone. People are addicted to their phone. For YouTube. Social media. Looking at things they shouldn't be looking at. Looking at videos they shouldn't be looking at. Talking to people they shouldn't be looking, talking to. What would a man give in exchange for his soul? Nothing. But you won't give up your phone. You won't give up a bottle. You won't give up a can. You won't give up that boyfriend. You won't give up that girl. But we love each other. No, you don't. You don't even... Please. 
Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love seeks no evil. And so if you are in a relationship where you're not married and sleeping together, but we love each other, but you're sending that other person to hell. But we love each other. Last time I checked, love doesn't send people to hell. Last time I checked. Maybe it's changed. One night stands. Sex outside of marriage. Any sex that doesn't involve marriage. Other thing that people go to hell for is unforgiveness. There's people in hell today that are there because they didn't forgive that person for what they said in 1923. People in hell today that, that didn't forgive that person what they said in 2000 BC. Do you think about what that person said? I know, it's so hard, I can't forgive, Pastor. Well, think about one billion years. Is it really worth going to hell for what they said? I know what they did is bad. I'm not saying it's good. People go to hell for money. They'll quit the plans of God for money. What would a man give in exchange for his soul? Peer pressure. Matthew 10, 28. Do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So either we'll be killing sin or sin will be killing us. And so the devil's going to say to you right now, this is a good sermon and repent tomorrow. The devil says, this is great. You should do this, but do it tomorrow. But God says, today is the day of salvation. Get it today. Make this, get radical today. Because tomorrow, it might be too late. Real people like you and I. Let's close with real passion. And that stinks, like, <laughs> It's funny how people don't have money to give to God, but, and don't, don't, don't get me started. Don't, 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 don't even, don't, don't. It's not, it's not worth it. I feel like it. I'm really feeling it, but I'm not. I'm like, I, everything in my body is pushing me this way, but I need to stick because I'm going to go over time and people are going to get upset and start drinking again. So, there's a... <laughs> And no one comes straight after church. I'm going to give the ushers until this happens. No! All right? So there's a bridge in England in December 1984. There was a massive crash. It's on the M24. Because at 25, there was all this fog and this truck crashed. And the problem is the police came, put their lights on, but it was so foggy that you can only see the lights and the crash only a couple of meters before the accident. And this was on the freeway, motorway. And people didn't stop because they couldn't see and the police are on the side, and they're waving people down to stop, but they're flying at 100 kilometers an hour. And they're, they're not listening to the policeman, because they, oh, he's fine, or they just seem like, what, what's he worried about? And 20 people lost their lives that day. Because they kept smacking into the, into the, the truck, and the police were, stop, slow down, there's an accident right here. One policeman started throwing traffic cones at the cars and they still didn't stop one witness said one of the policemen had tears in his eyes as he was throwing cones to stop the drivers from driving into the wreckage but they wouldn't stop the point of this sermon is to throw a cone and get your attention so you can stop before disaster strikes so two things as we close number one 
Make sure you're going to heaven. Today. So, I just don't feel like serving God. I just don't feel it, Pastor. Thank God. Because there are millions in hell who feel it. Millions. Millions. I don't feel nothing. So are you going to wait for hell before we feel something? If you're a sinner today, the good news is that Jesus Christ freely died for you and for me. And you don't have to go to this horrible place where there's weeping and gnashing. Gnashing of teeth and darkness and the worm doesn't die. You don't have to go to this place forever. But we can go to heaven and spend eternity with our Lord and Savior. And he died on this cruel cross to save us from this horrible place. And if you would just repent from your sin, that's the good news of Jesus. That if you would just repent and turn away after madness and live for God, you don't have to go there. But you can have a relationship with Jesus. You can know God. And you can make heaven your home forever. So number one, if you're a sinner today, you can be saved. And I'm going to give you an opportunity very soon. But if you're saved, you better keep going. Don't quit. In baseball, not that I'm a baseball player, but hey, maybe I could have been pretty good, I reckon. So the goal of baseball is not just to hit the ball. The goal is to make it all around the bases and back to home plate. And you need to make it back to home plate and then the catcher says safe. The umpire says safe. You made it home safe. You're not great because you got it, you hit it and you made a base run. I made the first base. I'm here. I made it. No, no, no. You haven't finished yet. You need to make it home. Most of you, most of us, are only on base one. But some people are on base one celebrating like they made it home. You're not home yet. We're not home yet. Never get. Oh God, this is it. I got this. I got this. Well, some of my best friends hit the ball pretty good. But they didn't make it home safe. Some of my best friends hit the ball better than me. But they're not home safe. Maybe you're doing great this morning and praise God if you are. But you're not home yet. So don't slack off. Don't slow down. Don't play with sin. Nothing on earth is worth going to hell for. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. So make sure you go to heaven. And number two, second thing we need to learn from this sermon is that we need to do all that we can to stop others from going to hell. You know, these bushfires, there's all these donations you would have seen from all over the world being poured out, money given to these bushfires to stop the flame. The AFL, um, to get a premiership medal, to win the grand final in the AFL, the premiership medal only goes to those who played on the day. There's 22 players. The premiership medal only goes to those who played that day. So if you played during the season but didn't play that day, you don't get a medal. If you played every game until the grand final got injured the week before, you don't get a medal because you didn't play. So these medals are very, very valuable. And one guy, his name is, name is Dane Beams. He won the premiership in 2010. He's still playing. And he put his medal up for auction. Remember, this is his whole life. 
He's a professional AFL. He's given his whole life for this one thing. This is like the gold medal of your sport. This is the greatest honor he can ever get, and he got it. Yet because of these bushfires, he, he sold it for bushfire relief, auctioned it off. It sold for $27,000. He donated all of it, and he said it's because it's going towards people who really need it in this time. Because of the flames, it resulted in some passion from this guy. And he sold his medal. Maybe you're giving your life to something. But the flames are starting to get your heart. Will you sell your medal? What's your goal? What's your, what's, what, what are you living for? What's the most important thing to you? Will you give that up so other people can be spared from the flames? I was talking to someone this week. And he, um, he said, Dan, when are you coming back to Melbourne? And um, I said, what, to live near my family again? To live with my friends again? To see my friends again? Sorry, to, to see my friends' kids grow up? To spend time with them? To spend Christmas, Easter, birthdays with my friends and with my family? To set my life up financially? To see my Sunday school teacher before she died? I said, that would be nice. I've got a job to do. My job is to throw cones. And throwing cones is more important. It's more important. Someone in the group chat recently said, keep one hand on the cross and the other hand snatching the lost. It's not enough for you just to hold the cross to yourself. Romans 10, 14 and 15 says, How shall they call on him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they are sent? We have to do this. We have to preach the gospel. We can't stop. We have to preach the true gospel, not the watered down version. It's funny when people say, man, Potter, why are you so full on? Why are you so serious? Well, people take cancer pretty serious. Have you ever heard a joke about cancer? It'd be weird to talk about cancer and tell to the doctors, why are you guys so serious about cancer for? I think we should be more serious about our eternal destiny rather than an earthly sickness. Why are we so serious? You should thank God we're so serious. Thank God. That's why we have outreaches and concerts and family days and revivals and prayer meetings and, and altar calls because we don't want people going to hell. And thank God. Do you know today is the 50-year anniversary of Pastor Mitchell taking over the Prescott Church? 50 years. He stuck to evangelism, discipleship, church planting. And literally thousands of people around the world are saved today. 125 nations, 2,700 churches. Man, why is Potter's House so serious? Because Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. 
Thank God we're serious. Where do you want to go? Go somewhere not serious? Fine. <laughs> I don't want to go to a hospital that really helps me. I want to go to a hospital that makes me feel good. Tell you what's going to make you feel good? If I'm getting this right. So two things. Number one, make sure you're saved. 1 Timothy 4.16 Take heed to yourself and to the, and to the doctrine. Oh, it should be to your doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you shall save both yourself and those who hear you. So make sure you're saved. Don't just preach the gospel and don't live it. Live it. Pay attention to your doctrine. Pay attention to what you live and how you live. And secondly, save as many as you can. One of the signs of the last days, Jesus says in Matthew 24, it says, And because lawlessness or sin will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Don't let your love grow cold. Young men, listen to me. Don't let your love grow cold. Don't let your love grow cold. Don't let your love for this worthless junk outweigh your love for your Lord and Savior. Young ladies, don't let your love grow cold. The love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. So, where will you spend eternity? Because for all these people, it's too late now. There's no more hope. One chance. It was Wigglesworth who said one of the problems of the final generation before Jesus comes back. He says that we'll preach heaven without hell. I'm going to make sure that I preach on both. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray.